You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Yeah, okay, I'm Patrick, food addict, bulimic. Um, As I said before, um, i been in the how rooms 29 years, did a lot of research and development, unfortunately. And um, then uh, this last time around, it's eight years, and God took 96 pounds. So for some reason, God uh, spared me. Don't ask me why, it just has. Uh, but I always like to say experience is a hard teacher. You know, she gave me the lesson first. Uh, I mean, uh, she gave me the test first and the lesson after. So I had to learn, a, I had to keep going over and over to, to learn this thing. Because uh, uh, I failed at my tests, uh, I usually try to say the set aside prayer when I start because I want to be free of my any old prejudice and old thinking because it's the old thinking that always brought me back to my disease, you know, and um, and these prejudice beliefs that somehow I can what is it Karen R in the River Denials in the middle of the big book, she says the greatest obsession is to be able to have my alcohol and control it at the same time. And so I agree. It is a great, a great obsession. And it's one that I, I did a lot of, you know, and so I just try to ask God, please help me to be open, have an open, expansive mind and not assume I know everything about me or you or the program or the big book or whatever it is. Uh, just allow me to have an open mind because with the open mind, things can happen. I can actually maybe face the truth, the real truth, about myself and learn something. Um, I always say the the, um, the illness of compulsion is indirectness. And I, it's really important, so I'll say it again. The illness of compulsion is indirectness. And if I'm indirect, I'm not being honest. So I'm going to say what I think you want me to hear, and then I set myself up for resentment or trouble because I'm not being honest and, and somehow expect you to do the right thing. And so it's all set up, all the trouble. You know, I always say when I'm in my head, I'm behind enemy lines because it's true. When I'm in my head, I'm in trouble. And the beautiful thing about this program is um, I can turn to service. So when I'm in my head, I just need to call you or text you or, or do something, get on a Zoom. And by doing that action, I'm now free from Patrick, the universe according to Patrick. And that's where all my troubles left. All my troubles happen between my ears. All this stuff goes on up here. And that's where the trouble always is because that's the place that I think I can have my my red light foods and somehow control them. I believe that belief when I picked up many times. This is my sixth recovery in these 30, just under 30 years. So I'm a, I'm a slow learner. But um, the illness of compulsion, any compulsion, food, drug, sex, shopping, whatever it is, if I'm indirect, I'm going to do that. So I want to be as honest as possible. And it's really not easy to be honest, but this program shows me how by doing the steps, by doing step 10. God, how many times do I do step 10 today? Uh, when I have these feelings come up, I boom, 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 do the step 10. I used to do it on, on a piece of paper when I was uh, learning it, but now I just do it in my head. And I, I zero in on my character defect. I'm self-seeking. That's the hardest defect that I have, self-seeking. Sometimes I might not even realize I'm self-seeking 
and there I am doing it. So I try to try to be aware. Thanks to sub 10, uh, three defenses. I always thought I had three defenses against this disease, willpower, self-knowledge and fear. Now, while these things did work great, I mean, I bet you many of us should get Oscars for willpower. I mean, how many times have many of us have done that? I know I did a lot of things that amazed me, but then I always fell back always, you know, these things, I couldn't depend on those three things. Now, um, when I came to the program, I realized there's, wait a second, Patrick, there's a fourth thing. There is? Yes, there's a fourth thing. And I learned the hard way. It's the only thing. And that is the spiritual route. The spiritual route is the only thing that I can depend on. Uh, willpower, self-knowledge, and fear may work, but they may not work. And the problem is I don't know when they're going to fail me. So I can't depend on those. That's the way I used to think. I used to think it was, you know, it was I, 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 dead. Uh, the forward to the first uh, first uh, edition in the start of the big book I love because it says we of Alcoholics Anonymous. We is the biggest word in the big book. We can do what I could never do, you know. Um, so I, I don't romanticize the food. You know, I used to be in absent in how abstinence and I used to fantasize about the, the new products, you know, they show in late night TV. It's always something new that's stretched a little different, looks a little different, but it's made of all the poisons that we're all familiar with. But seeing it in a different shape, suddenly it's like, oh, wow, I wonder what that's like. So, so I don't have the luxury of doing that anymore because this disease is so dangerous for me and what the damage that it's done already. I mean, when I came into program, I had 55 pounds to lose. And I thought I was, you know, poor Patrick, poor Patrick, poor Patrick, a milkshake. I thought poor Patrick, you know. And so uh, I, it would seem bad then. God, did I not know where this disease was going to take me. I did not know where this was going. And over many relapses and many very severe relapses, the worst one happened about 12 years ago. It started. It was a five-year relapse. I closed the big book. I never looked at it again. It's like, I don't know who that guy was, but it was scary. Um, I went into, we were, I was walking with some civilians. Believe it or not, there actually are civilians who are not addicted to food or alcohol or drugs. There are a few of those people that roam the planet, lucky them. But I was with them and we're walking down Bleecker Street in New York. And it was the evening time. And they said, oh, let's go into the Beaker Street Bakery. And so I walked in that door. I walked through the threshold without thinking about who I am. I, I love Carl Ginsburg, great writer, great uh, journalist. And Carl Ginsburg used to say, civilizations have been lost because they forgot from where they came. And so when I walked through that threshold, I forgot from where I came. And I went into that thing with all the regular people who didn't aren't troubled by these foods. And I thought, oh, there's something free here. And I thought, well, I'm going to have it because I conned myself into thinking, well, here's now here's here's a fantasy. Fantasy is one of my other big character defects. And here's one of the fantasies is, oh, I'm going to have this thing and I'll start tomorrow. Right. That was a really dangerous fantasy of mine because because we don't have a choice. You know, this disease is physiologically as well as mental. So once I start the ball rolling in the physiology department, you know, and the hypothalamus and all those things start triggering because of the sugar, I don't really have a chance. I heard somebody once say, uh, when I'm dancing with a 700-pound gorilla, I don't decide when when to stop. And I kind of like that. I thought that was pretty good. But uh, I can't make that decision. And, and I, I, I don't have the power. So I want to stay out of that, that part of the formula. I want to stay out of the physiology problem. And it says on page 23 in the big book, it says, the main problem centers in the mind of the alcoholic. So wait a second. So my physiological addiction to flour and sugar and highly processed substances 
is not the main problem. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's not. The main problem is in my head because it's my head that says, oh, you've been absent in a year. You can you know, have that little thing or, oh, you've been five years. You should be okay. Um, so, um, so that's, that's, that's a, a really big learning thing that I had to learn the hard way. Unfortunately, I wish I could have taken your advice or somebody's advice and learned from them, but I didn't, I had to go down to the gutter myself, um, through this disease. So it was a five year relapse. I gained 138 pounds. Uh, when I crossed, uh, you know, I, I remember being saying 285, 285, I'm never going to cross 285. Here I go again, controlling my destiny. And my, when I hit 285, I was pretty upset. When I hit 300, I was very upset. But I'm going to tell you, when I hit 400, I couldn't care less. Didn't matter anymore. In fact, I stopped weighing myself at 415. And I do know at that point, after I stopped weighing myself, I still had to change pant sizes twice. So I don't even know where the heck I went. But I do know one thing. If it wasn't for this program, if it wasn't for doing the steps and having a spiritual life, I would be filling out applications for, for my 600-pound um, life. It is possible. Even though I never would have believed it could be possible, this disease will take me to places I will never want to dream of. I should say, use the word nightmare. But so, so um, I, and I actually watched this. My partner um, used to say, how do you watch that horrible show, 600-pound, the 600-pound life? And I say, I owe it to them. I owe it to them because for some reason, God has spared me from being there because I could have been there, you know? And so I am humbled by this terrible disease. And uh, believe me, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. I really would. And, uh, but I'm humbled because we don't know where this can take us. So, so I need to trust God and do these steps, work with a sponsor, commit my food, do the writings. I love the writings. I think they're a lot of fun. I love the big book. I love reading and writing about all sorts of stuff. But, you know, Bill Wilson used to say um, that, 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 he said, we in AA, we have two disciplines, God and alcohol. If I'm not fully committed, uh, if I'm not fully surrendered to one, I'm going to surrender to the other. So this goes the same for me, uh, God and food, uh, red light food, really. I, I never got cra I never went crazy over celery. But, um, but uh, if I'm not committed to God, then I will very quickly be committed to the food, the red light food. Um, and the big book stories, I like the big book stories a lot because I'm a big book, big book person, aficionado, whatever you want to call me. And so I love the stories because something happened to these three. Like they're going along and then something happened inside and bad behavior suddenly becomes good. What? Are you kidding? Well, uh, it is. It's true. Um, and I think what happens. Yeah, 10 minutes. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. uh, I always have two histories, you know, two histories. One, what happened to me, and two, what I think happened to me. And I'm telling you, they're different. <laughs> uh, as when I see things through my eyes and my disease, I am prejudiced. I see the world differently than it really is. I don't see the truth. And, I, and I'm being self-centered. I think it's all about me when most of the time it's nothing about me. Um, and so it's so freeing to not be in that terrible place. Um, and, and, and like in the big book, these people, you know, they have a spiritual awakening. Many of them have spiritual awakening. Some of them have spiritual experiences like Bill and, and, and Jimmy the Atheist on page 57. I mean, these guys had real experiences. I had that experience. I had this, what they call burning bush. Um, and it was wonderful. And it happened when I came back from my five-year relapse, which is eight years ago now. 
And I finally made that meeting. And, you know, I tried to go to that meeting. It was a Saturday meeting. I figured I'd do it when, my, when I was off of work. And I tried to attempt to go to that meeting. It's a, it's a few miles from my house, but it's not where I usually attend because I was afraid of people who knew me to see me. Even though it's five years, I was still afraid. You know, false uh, pride, whatever you want to call it. So I go, to, I go to this meeting, but I try four times, and somehow I wind up in drive throughs Like, what happened to the meeting? You know, I, I couldn't tell you. But the fifth time, the fifth week I went, and I'm walking in, and I'm already making the laws, uh, the world according to Patrick. I'll do steps one, two, and three. I'm not going to do a sponsor, a house sponsor. I can't deal with that. And, you know, making all these stupid rules and regulations after dragging in after five years. I have the nerve to do that, but I did it. And when I sat down in that meeting, somebody talked about, Something, I think it was page 324 about the girl. She's struggling with her alcohol. And then she says to a coworker, uh, I have trouble with alcohol. He goes, you do? He goes, well, why don't you take a sponsor? He goes, no, I can't take a sponsor. And he says, why can't you take a sponsor? And she says, because I'm not sure I'm done drinking yet. And so he said something that was very valuable to me because this is what, what gave me a spiritual experience. He said, what happens now is now. What happens in the future is virtual. You don't have to live in the future. You don't have to live like thinking about the donut shop while I'm in an OA meeting. I have to live in the now, and now is when it is. So she took his advice and took a sponsor, and, of course, that made a big difference. For me, I had a spiritual experience at that moment, and it was very wonderful and shocking, and I was free for the first time in so many years. And so I'm very grateful for that. And, um, you know, I used to hear people saying, oh, I'm grateful food addict or, or a compulsive overeat. And I would say, what? What are you talking about? What are you crazy? But now I understand through the, uh, you know, William James wrote that book of, uh, that Bill Wilson read. He, it, he had to read it twice because it's very complicated. Um, the um, the uh, variety of religious experience. And, and William James is a very very high level writer and and it's hard reading i even i found it hard reading but i did get the gist of it and that is we are blessed through our infirmity so what so what it's saying is because of this lousy disease which has ruled my life i've been blessed because through it i've been able to find a spiritual life and that is a good reason to be grateful you know and um and so and so so you know like i asked myself well, well what is a spiritual awakening you know and to me, it's magic. And um, because the obsession disappears, the endless wishing to have my red light foods and control them, that disappears. That's a full-time job, that one right there. Um, you know, an intellectual that can read page 59 in the big book of all the, all the steps, but I don't have any feeling about that. Because, you know, there's two centers in my body. There's the mind and the heart. And I can think and do all the rationale and all that stuff in my head, right? But until something happens in my heart, if my heart changes, I now change. And that's, that's the threshold of change. That's a threshold where, where my higher power, as I define him, him, her, it, uh, will enter. That's a threshold of revelation. Is, and it can happen in any of these steps. If I'm doing any of these steps honestly, really, the threshold of revelation awaits me. And that's the beautiful thing that can happen. To me, that's the treasure. It's like a treasure map, this thing, and finding the treasure. And the treasure is is um, is willing to see my true nature and, and, be, and be willing to accept my true nature. Once I understand who and what I am, now I can deal with the world as it really is. Not as the fantasy that I set it up, because my fantasies are negative too. The world is bad. It's trying to hurt me. Everybody's looking at me. You know, all those negative things. And that's fantasy too. 
These are fantasies. This is not reality. So I beg God to give me reality. And that's one of my major character defects. You know, the last paragraph of the last story in the big book, How to Handle Sobriety, it says fantasy or reality. Which one am I going to choose today? And today I want to choose reality. Reality is I'm a food addict. I was born a food addict. I'm going to die a food addict. And I just need to give in and, and, and let go. Thanks very much. And so thank you. And so, and so this is, this is really a critical stuff, you know, um, um, you know, um, I've had to do um, a bunch of my, a bunch of step nines in, in the bone orchard because a lot of my, my family is gone. A lot of people have died. My partner died 11 months ago. He had a heart attack. I was with him. I tried to save him. I rushed him to the hospital. They couldn't save him. We had been partners for 40 years. Yes, four zero years. And um, and I thought I couldn't survive that. But because I have a spiritual life, I can survive that, you know. And that's really important, you know. To me, a spiritual life, for me, my own personal experience in the spiritual life is I'm independent of other people's opinions. Uh, that's one. Two is that, you know, I'm not arrogantly, I don't, I'm not so arrogant as to expect God to answer my prayers like a Santa Claus in the sky. I will say a request or a prayer, but I leave it alone. I don't expect return. I'm just grateful to be able to do the prayer. And then three, I can never, ever control anybody else. Heck, I can't even control myself. How am I going to control you? So these are the three things that I live by in a spiritual life. And so, you know, I, I don't, I want this, the spiritual life is what I'm more, most afraid of losing. My abstinence is not really mine. This is a, an extraterrestrial experience. I have not that much to do with it other than my willingness. Yes, I need to be willing to call somebody and do the food and go to meetings and stuff. I really miss the live meetings, but it's a great, great pleasure to be here with you folks in Southern or um, Central California, wherever, uh, to be able to do this. It's a wonderful thing. This is the only good thing I can say out of this COVID, uh, uh experience is the, is the, is the zoom meetings. But anyway, so, so, um, it, it's a great picture. Now the end of the, of, of the, um, step five promises on page 75 says, you know, we feel we are on the, uh, broad highway of recovery. And isn't this a great picture? And I and I think about well, who wouldn't? Who doesn't think this is a great picture? Well, my ego and my red light foods don't want anything to do with God. So my ego is all part of self and all that stuff. And this is why we, I worked the ten step to bring out these these things that are character defects that are behind a lot of my trouble, which I didn't see until I had to do these steps and understand the steps and do the first step concession on page thirty in the I in the first person I. Uh, this is. And I had to believe that you're listening right now. You are listening to a doomed individual. I am doomed left to my own devices. I, I will not survive. So I, I need to surrender these character defects, which is step seven. I turn them over to the opposite side. And then I have to smash, you know, it says on page 30, smash the old ideas and prejudices. And it's like being on stage. Being on stage is like my ego. Like I'm playing it out, right? Saying all the all the all the um, dialogue, right? But it's not in my heart. It's just all BS. And uh, God is waiting in the wings with a sledgehammer, and I need to get out of off stage and go to the wings because God will smash the delusions that I think seem to think at time to time are real. And these are the things that bring me back to my disease.
And so I don't want that anymore. You know, and is that the time? Oh, sorry. Yeah. And so, um, and so I'm really, um, I am grateful for uh, having this, uh, this great resource that the, um, you know, the, the civilians don't have this. So I'm really lucky I have this resource. So, um, you know, um, I always think, uh, you know, the, um, the spirituality is the way, um, you know, the 10th step uh, promises is uh, neutrality from not only food, but from everything. And it's like, wow, neutrality, what's that anyway? And so through a recovery, I can actually get neutrality. So, so, um, so this is what's really important. And it's the steps. I feel the steps are the launching pad to the spirit world. And I didn't know that until I came in here and had these experiences. And, and, and I need to be in the now at the risk of sounding like a sixties guy, even though I could be, um, um, I, want to be in the now because that's where spirituality occurs not in the future of the past it's in the now and that's where um that's where what's important and i will discover everything i want is in this moment and um i just want to end my uh thing with uh, i love uh carl bard he was a great scottish theologian and he says i can't go back and make a brand new start but i can start right now and make a brand new end. Thank you and God bless you.